0: Thank you for listening to this sermon by Grace Point Church. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at gracepointaz.com or better yet, come be our guest on a Sunday morning. And Good morning, Grace Point Church, and thank you for being here. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. And if you would like to follow along with the reading and need a Bible, they can be found in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take this one with you. Or if you know someone who needs a Bible, please take one and give it to them. We would love for you to have God's Word in your hands throughout this week. And today's scripture will be taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, and can be found on page 980. So please follow along with me as I read. and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Uh, Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for this day. We just ask your blessing on Tyler as he covers your word today, Lord, and reads from your word. And I just ask your blessing on all the people that are here today and those that would be listening later on in the week via the internet or other methods. Father, we are so grateful to be yours, Lord. And it's so good to be in your household, Lord, with fellow believers. And I and I give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' name. I pray.
1: Amen. Thanks, Dan. Y'all can have a seat. Good morning. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Tyler Thule. I get to be one of the pastors here at Grace Point Church, and uh, we just had a ton of fun this week at BBS. So that's why I've got my water up here. It's because my voice is is shot. It's about gone. So uh, as we go through, I might be taking some sips. So bear with me there. Um, but if you, if this is your first time or you haven't been with us much, uh, you might not know this, but we like to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through different books of the Bible. And so right now we're in the book of Philippians. We've been there for, uh, this will be the third week. And so we are working our way through the entire book of the Philippians, and then we'll be jumping into another book. That's the way we love to teach the Bible here, um, is just go book by book. So um, if you haven't been here lately, I just want to get you spun up real quick. We're talking about Paul, and Paul wrote this letter to the Church of Philippi, this, uh, this letter, this book of Philippians that we're talking about. And so Paul, he was a man on a mission, and before he had his name changed to Paul, his name was Saul, and his mission was to go out and kill and murder Christians. And so he would go city to city, taking Christians out, stoning them, uh, torturing them, persecuting them. And um, then one day he decided he was going to go to the road or go on a road to Damascus. And on that road to Damascus, that's where Jesus knocked him off his horse and he blinded him. He said, hey, Saul, why are you persecuting those who worship me? And so what he did is he, he I don't know if he got back on the horse or how it happened, but the people that were with him going to persecute people, um, they got him to Damascus and he was blinded for three days and he ends up regaining his sight and believing in Jesus from the experience that he had just experienced from God. And so from there, his name changes to Paul and he has a new mission. And his new mission is to go out and tell people um, the good news, tell people about Jesus. And he gets pumped up for it. In fact, it says, or, or we, we've learned just by looking at it, that he becomes one of the best church planners to ever live. And he ends up going and sharing the gospel through southern Turkey, through Israel, Asia, Asia Minor, and then eventually to Rome. So he ends up getting arrested in Jerusalem, um, two years uh, or ends up getting arrested there for two years. He's sitting there going from trial to trial um, and they're just, they're just kind of messing with them. Uh, they can't come up with a conclusion what they're gonna do with them. And finally, Paul gets sick of it. He's like, that's it. I appeal to Rome, take me to Rome. And that's what happens. So they take him on a military ship and he goes, goes to Rome. And when he gets to Rome, he ends up getting put on house arrest. He doesn't even get put in prison. They put him in house arrest. And so I don't know about you guys, but we talked about last week about how um, sometimes our circumstances might be bad, but how do we have joy throughout those bad circumstances? Well, Paul is in really bad circumstances. He's been from prison to prison over the last few years, and now he's been in prison for two years, and now he's in house arrest in Rome. You got to think that he's probably in a low spot, like, man, this kind of stinks. Like, who wants to be in jail or incarcerated, right? Well, Paul has his his joy and his hope anchored to Jesus. And he knows that he's partnered with uh, other Christians who aren't in proximity with him. Other Christians that are in different locations, just like we just sent out our lead pastor, Pastor Jason over to um, Oklahoma to go uh, help out another church there. Just like that, he knows he's on mission with other Christians and other believers. And that is what is keeping him going. That's the joy he's getting out of it. So do we have joy when our circumstances are bad? I want us to think about that. And that's what we talked about last week. So Paul's mission was to reach as many people as he could with the gospel. And as Paul is writing this letter, he's writing, writing it knowing he's writing it to a church full of sinners because we're all sinners, uh, Christians and non-Christians. We're all in sin. We're all broken because of this world um, that was broken from Adam and Eve when, um, when Satan deceived them and eating that fruit, whatever it was, an apple or an orange, we don't know. But, um, but many people get the idea that Christians are perfect. And the the thing is, is we should try to be perfect. Christ was perfect. We're supposed to be Christ-like. So we should work towards that, but we are never going to be perfect. We all get it wrong. We all mess up and no one is perfect. But because of this fallen world, this broken world, we get to come together at least every week to be reminded of the gospel. We get to come together to talk about Jesus. And so in the book of Philippians, um, it has been kind of dubbed or named the book of joy. And so what will our joy be anchored to is the question that we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about. And I hope that your joy is not anchored to the stock market or to money, because if it's anchored to the stock market right now, it's going to hurt the whole way it's going down. And when it starts coming up, it's going to hurt the whole way going up. See, there's this wise guy um, in finance, in the financial world named Dave Ramsey. And he says that if you jump off the roller coaster, just in the middle of it, it's going to hurt. Meaning if the stock market's going down and you jump off, it's going to hurt you more because it's going to go back up. But if our hope is, and our joy is anchored to the stock market, it's gonna hurt the whole way up and the whole way down, not just when you jump off. So let's not let our heart be anchored to the stock market, to money. Uh, you'll be tempted to put your hope into Little League, hope into politics or presidents. You'll be tempted to put your hope into the economy or your job, or even here in Arizona, you probably will put your hope into, man, in a few months, it's gonna be a little cooler here, right? So um, but that is where happiness is. That's not where joy is. Happiness depends on what happens and it's short term. But joy is when our hearts are anchored to Jesus. So let's let our hearts be anchored to Jesus. So that's us getting caught up over what we talked about over the last couple weeks. Um let's jump into verse 12 today, what we're gonna talk about today. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the, the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. See, Paul, out of all people, he had the right to complain. He had been through so much, but he knew that pain was the plan. Pain was his plan that God had put in front of him. And pain is our plan as Christians. Paul had ended up getting beaten and imprisoned from city to city, prison to prison, and eventually what we're going to see today, he gets betrayed by other Christians, by brothers in Christ. And then eventually he goes on to get beheaded. So let's dive into that first part of the verse where it says, what has happened to me? What has happened to Paul? And then it goes on to say, as he really has, he uh, has really served to advance the gospel, how what happened to him served to advance the gospel. So this is what happened to him. Second Corinthians eleven twenty-four through 28. It says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. And three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in in hunger and in thirst and often without food in cold exposure. And apart from the other things, uh, there is the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. See, pain was the plan for Paul. As we look through that, that four verses right there is packed heavily with all the things that he's had to endure and go through. And the things that he went through, they weren't easy. And how many of us know that incarceration will challenge your joy? We've all been incarcerated at some point in our life with something, not like literally physically in jail, but any restrictions or confinements that have been put on you or your life, it will challenge your joy. See, some of you guys feel chained to your job. You might feel chained to other relationships that you have. Maybe someone that doesn't push you deeper into the gospel, but pushes you further away. See, when Paul arrives in Rome, if you look back in Acts, you'll see that he gets put on house arrest, like we talked about. He is shackled to Roman Imperial Guards, who is like this elite soldier. And um, it's suggested or that it's thought about by theologians that those soldiers did six hour shifts, meaning Paul would be with four different people a day. And these people, they would rotate and they would go on shifts. He probably talked to dozens of people over that year and a half that he was in um, on house arrest. And so what do you think Paul talked about with those four guards every single day? He talked about Jesus. See, he talked about how uh, he said that he was advancing the gospel and he was doing that by telling these dozens of Roman soldiers um, about Jesus while they were on their shifts. But G- just think about how he was. He had no privacy. He couldn't go to the bathroom without those Roman s- soldiers being shackled to him. He couldn't, go, um, he couldn't go do anything. He had no privacy. And I don't know about you guys, if you guys are any extroverts, I'm an extrovert. And extroverts still need their alone time. We still need our privacy. We still need to get away and go pray and get away just to get some quiet And Paul couldn't get that. And um, if not having privacy wasn't bad enough, just think about that metal shackle that was on him. That metal shackle would have rubbed. It would have probably created a wound. That wound would have been reopened and scabbed over and reopened and scabbed over. I hope none of you guys have weak stomachs. But but seriously, it would have been so irritating. It was not comfortable for, for Paul. He remained joyful though, and he stayed on mission through all this. See, Paul was faithful and God providentially chained Paul to the Roman Imperial Guard because he wanted to save sinners. God wanted those sinners to get saved, to hear his good news. And so people in general, were prone to always look at the negatives in our life. We're always looking at negatives comparatively to when we're looking at the positives. And next time you're going through something negative, or you feel chained to your circumstances, you feel chained to the work you're doing, you feel chained maybe even to your family, why don't we look at it as an opportunity instead of a negative thing? Why don't we look at it as an opportunity, just like Paul did? Because if your passion is the gospel, we'll see it as an opportunity. If the gospel isn't your passion, then it's merely just an inconvenience to your life. It's merely just something uncomfortable that you don't really like to deal with. But if you're a Christian, the question is, are you chained to them or are they chained to you? See, I hope that they are chained to you. Whatever that chain is, whether it's work or whether it's a person, I hope they're chained to you and you get to be the one that leads them to Jesus. You get to be the one that is leading the conversation. Let's jump to verse 14. Verse 14 says this. It says, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so what that tells me in that verse is that people were scared to tell people about God. They were scared. And when they saw what Paul had endured, what Paul had gone through, that he'd been in prison for multiple years now, it gave them the courage to say, hey, I'm gonna speak more boldly about God. They saw that God was using Paul while, Paul while Paul was in jail. And they said, man, if God can use Paul while he's in jail, man, God can use me outside of jail. So Paul had inspired them. Instead of Paul seeing everything he had done, everything he had gone through um, from being in prison as a hindrance, he saw, he saw it as a way to advance the gospel, to advance God's mission. And I don't know about you guys, but being inspired is awesome. Those guys were inspired to speak more boldly. Inspiration helps. It's super helpful in the moment. But the thing that, that comes with inspiration is that it, it just comes and then it goes. It doesn't stick around. Inspiration is something that is only there for a little bit, a short period of time. And what's left afterwards? See, after the inspiration fades away, it's what you've done. It's discipline. It's what you've done to create your routine. So if you don't have a routine of reading the Bible, you don't have a routine of praying every day, multiple times a day, then that routine is gonna be, if you don't have it, you're not gonna just do it. And you're not gonna have the discipline you need to stay in the word. See, part of the reason we go to church each week is to be re-inspired or be uh, reminded about God's word, to live more Christ-like lives, to love people well, and to advance the gospel. That's why we come every week, to be reminded of those things. See, we, get, we are forgetful, and we uh, need to be reminded each week. We're all broken. And if we aren't in gospel community, that points us back to Jesus, then sin is going to creep in, and sin is going to start growing. And it's just going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger until it's so big, it's going to consume your life, and you can't do nothing else but continue to sin. That's why we've got to stick together in gospel community, because the devil is sneaky. Satan is sneaky. He's improvised. See, back in the day, what he would do is he would possess people or he would send his demons to possess people. We see in the Bible that then people would cast those demons out in Jesus name, right? Well, now that you don't see that happening. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying it doesn't happen in our culture that much because he's sneaky. The devil has improvised to use our culture to get to us. He knows our culture and he uses it to his advantage. He takes that taste of money How you like, oh man, that money is security for me. Oh man, my car just broke down and thank goodness I have that money, that emergency fund in the bank account to fix it. That's security, man, now I need more of it. He takes that taste and he turns the taste of money, the taste of power, the taste of sex. He turns all that into a craving if we're not careful, if we're not intentional about spending time with God and his people. See more people today, they're afraid of the devil than they are of God. But God can wipe out the devil without even glance. He can take him out like it's nothing. So don't flirt with sin. Don't even think about messaging that person behind your spouse's back. Don't think about that little white lie that you want to tell cuz it's only little. Don't cheat to get ahead. Take that sin that you're struggling with whatever it is and just crush it. Crush that sin, put it to death. Don't try to keep it around like it's your pet. We can't tame it. It's not something that we can tame. It's going to consume us. It's going to take you over if you cannot get rid of it. Don't flirt with the idea of sin. We need to stay grounded in the gospel and in gospel community. And we see that that's what Paul is doing. Even though he's by himself with these Roman soldiers, his focus is on the mission. His focus is on God. His focus are on the churches that he's planted. It said that he had great anxiety for those churches. He is praying heavily for them, hard for them. In verse 15, um, Paul says this. He says, indeed, preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. See, Paul had rival preachers who preached the same gospel he did, who preached about Christ. But the difference was, is they were in competition with him for their ministry success. They wanted their ministry to succeed, not Paul's. They started talking negatively about Paul because they were trying to lift themselves up and put Paul down. They were comparing and see what Paul is not doing, and he's not going to get sidelined by the comparison game. Comparison is the thief of joy. When you go around and you're thinking, comparing yourself to your wife, like who's the best parent? I'm the best parent. You're the, you're the bad one. I'm the good one. Or we're going around and we're talking about like at work. Well, I'm the best worker. We're, if we start comparing ourselves to people, it's going to start destroying us. It's going to steal our joy. But Paul lived where all the joy is, free from that comparison. See what Paul is going through is probably one of the hardest things for someone to go through. He's going through what Christians, people that were supposed to be on his team. I mean, in the big game, they're on his team spreading the gospel, but they're talking poorly about him. Those people that he's supposed to love and they're supposed to love him back, they're now talking to him. They're talking down to him. They're betraying him. And he's going through this betrayal from those people when those people should be the ones that love him the most. They're on the same mission, preaching the gospel. And he says that they're slandering him. And he even said, afflicting him in his imprisonment as if prison wasn't enough. See, how many of y'all know that it takes about 10 compliments to cancel out, or at least this is what we hear. It takes 10 compliments to cancel out that one word of discouragement, that one critique that someone gives you. But honestly, it probably is even more than that because that critique or that piece of discouragement that you get, it stays in your mind. It'll occupy your mind. And Paul has taken all this discouragement that he's getting from other preachers who are supposed to be on his team, but they aren't. And and, uh, Paul is revealing their motivation, how they are pulling him down to lift themselves up. Paul said that they want to afflict him in his imprisonment. So they gossiped, they talked poorly about him. Gossip is one of those things that it's super, super easy for us to fall into. And if we don't fall into it, then likely we're the ones that love it. And we're just in it all the time because we love the drama, we love the gossip, right? See, when gossipers gossip, they do it because they love to put someone else down because it makes them feel better. It makes them puff back up. It lowers them and they get to go up. Like they feel like, man, I am worth more. It happens in the workplace. It happens in your day-to-day. It can happen at home. It can even happen in the church. Believe it or not, it does happen in the church, every church. Next time you hear gossip, what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to think about whose ego is being lifted up. See, everything we do, it should be to lift up and glorify God, not ourselves, not someone else. It should be to lift up and glorify God, not ourselves. So my son, the other day, he decided to chop my ego off right there at the knees. We were uh, driving down the car or driving in the car. And he said, Hey mom, dad. I was like, yeah, what's up, son? He goes, I'm sorry. Y'all aren't the best parents in the world. And I was like, oh my goodness. It's like, whose butt am I going to kick? And I was like, well, it wasn't going to kick his butt. It was whoever told him that. And so I just took a deep breath. I was like, hmm. So who told you that son? Where'd you hear that from? And he said, oh, I heard that from you, dad. And I was like, what? You didn't hear that from me? And he goes, yeah, you told me that there's always going to be someone else out there that's better than you or better than us. And, And you said, if we can't find that person, then that person is God. And I was like, Dang, Chop me off at the knees and put my legs right back on me. I was like, thank goodness, that is what I'm talking about because my son got it right there and I didn't for a second. He got it and I was so thankful for that. But see, when we gossip, when we take people out by their knees, when we're talking poorly about them and chopping them down, we're tearing them down so that we can be lifted up. And often we see ourselves, um, or often when we're doing that, we're, we're doing that to lift ourselves up or lift someone else up. As Christians, we're supposed to be humble. We're supposed to have humility, lower ourselves to lift others up, to encourage others in Christ. See, when we are uh, when we're talking about our egos and how big they can get, or what we're doing um, to take glory for ourselves, what that is—that's a sin called pride. When you're trying to build up your ego, or when you have a big ego, that's pride in your life. And we should be giving all the glory to God instead of taking it for ourselves. The Bible tells us that all the glory goes to God. It should go to God without God allowing you to get that promotion at work or having the skill sets that you do, or even being the best parent, which apparently I'm not. Um, without God, we are nothing. We are nothing and we need to realize it. And if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't even be here. So let's give the glory to him and stop taking it for ourselves if that's you, if you are the one struggling with that ego or, that, um, or even the gossip. So like we established a couple weeks ago, Paul is in this position where he's been in prison for a few years, and probably more than just the two years he was in uh, Caesarea because he went from city to city, really prison to prison. He was in multiple prisons um, as he was sharing the gospel. He couldn't go to the bathroom without someone knowing he was attached to him. He was shackled to the um, Roman soldiers on these rotating schedules. He had no privacy. And what do you think that one of their motivations were? If someone's just attached to you, it's, it's there to be irritating. It's there to be a discomfort, to keep you uh, uncomfortable. They had a reason of like, we don't want him to escape, sure. But it was there to to keep him uncomfortable. Paul is saying that these people are preachers, um, the preachers that are preaching the same gospel, that they preach about Christ. So these people aren't anti-Christ, they're anti-Paul. They're just against Paul. They're for Christ. So what's Paul gonna do about that? We're gonna read in, in verse 18, it says this. Paul says, what then? only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. See, Paul is saying that there are those that want bad for him, those that are gonna talk him down, those are that, that are gonna talk you down. But then he says that there are those that are grounded in the truth, in, in God's word, where they glorify God, they don't glorify themselves. Where they lift others up, they don't tear people down. And Paul is saying he is focusing on the gospel and on the Christians that are on his team, not the Christians that are against him. He's focusing on the gospel and the other Christians that are on the same team. See, we need to be more like Paul. We need to focus on the positives. We need to focus on the blessings that God gives us. Paul's saying that the message is what matters most. Everything else is just secondhand. Everything else is second place. It doesn't matter. The message is what matters. So those guys are still preaching the same message. Paul didn't let it stop him. He didn't let it stop his joy. See, too many times we want to go around and we want to put the weight of someone getting saved on us. I've done it multiple times. Like it's on me to tell that person about Jesus, to have the right words to say. It's on me to pray hard enough so that that person gets saved. And that's not how it works. I promise you that it's nothing that we do. It's everything that God does. See, God is who saves. He's the one that softens people's hearts, which may take years. It may even take decades But God is the one who will soften their hearts. It's nothing that you can do. We're just asked to go tell the good news. Paul says in verse 30, he says, man, I know that you're going through a difficult time. I know we haven't got to verse 30 yet. We'll get there in a few weeks. But he's saying, look, I know you're going through a difficult time, man. I'm going through a difficult time too. But let's not let that difficult time take us off a mission. That's what he's saying in verse 30, if you skip ahead and you want to read it real quick. He's saying, don't let that sidetrack you. Stay on mission. Stay on mission. See, we can always find the negatives. In fact, we find it, it's really quick for us to go to the negatives. And it's easy for me to gripe and complain at home and tell my wife like, oh man, I just don't like this. I wish this was different. But you know what's hard? It's hard for me to find the positives. I don't know about you guys, but um, when I walk in the house and the sink is empty, I just see an empty sink. And when I walk in the house and the sink is full, I just see an empty sink. Like I don't think about it, right? I'm sure some guys can relate to that. But I don't think about it. I don't look at the positives like, man, my wife just did dishes, which is supposed to be my nightly job. Like We've agreed, I will do dishes. And she goes and does dishes. And then uh, another thing is when I just get ready, when I get ready to preach or when I get ready to go into work, um, I work at home, so you know I still got to put clothes on, right? Well, all, all of a sudden, it's like, man, the laundry fairy, it comes like two to three times a week. My laundry's folded. My laundry's put away. It's hung up. And I'm like, I just put my clothes on. I don't even think about it but we we need to be intentional in the way that we think. We need to think about the positives. We need to lift people up. I should lift her up more in that area. We need to lift people up, not tear them down. So let's look and let's focus on the positives in our relationships, the blessings that people are around us. Let's focus on the blessings that God gives us about how he saved us, how he restored us, about how he redeems us, not how we don't have the coolest car. We don't have the next high-tech laptop or the next newest phone. Like, let's not look and focus on the things that we don't have, and let's focus on the blessings that we do have. That's what Paul did. He focused on what he had, and he focused on God's mission. We need to recognize the blessings that we have. And when we can't get around the blessings that we have, or when we can't get around those things where we're just like, man, I just really want the next thing, or whatever sin we're living in, when we can't get around it, as much as we want others to extend us forgiveness when we do something wrong— we are the ones that are Christians. If that person's not saved, it's gonna be a lot harder for them to forgive than for you to forgive. See, God has forgiven us as Christians. He's forgiven us so much. And if he's forgiven you so much, you should be able to let that flow right back out of you to someone else and forgive them. So if you're struggling with forgiveness or with holding a grudge or whatever it is, we should be the ones to forgive. We're supposed to be uh, examples of Christ, what Christ did, follow his example. Our hearts and our attitude should say, I'm not gonna let anyone steal my joy. I have, uh, I have much to rejoice about. That's what we should say is I have much to rejoice about. See, Paul was a human just like us with emotions. I imagine it probably wounded him deeply when he heard these other preachers and they're like, hey man, like this guy, Paul, he's a joke, like don't listen to him. Even though the, these guys were preaching the same gospel about Jesus, but they're talking down and negative about him to other people, once that got around to him, I'm sure that hurt initially but he said, Hey, you know what? It's a decision. Joy is a decision. He had the mindset of they are not going to rob me from my joy because joy is a decision. You have a choice to rejoice. I know that's cheesy, right? But I like rhyming, but joy is a decision. And these people had the right message. They just had the wrong motive but God can still use the right message with the wrong motive for his purpose and his good to save other people. God can still do that even when the motives are wrong. And let me tell you why it's because the power is in the message. It's not in the messenger. We can't break the gospel y'all. Our mission as Christians is to tell others about Jesus, to invite them to church, to tell them our story of how we got saved. Remember that the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message itself. The power is in the gospel. And there are times that um, we're going to feel like the gospel is powerless. There are times where we're going to look at and be like, man, that one kid that's getting baptized from VBS, he's so young. That kid's not even a teenager yet. But yet I've been praying for my dad or I've been praying for someone in the family for 20 years to get saved and it hasn't happened. There are times that it's going to hurt, but it's not on you. The power is in the message and God, it's, it's on him to soften that person's heart And you might even be tempted to think that the gospel doesn't work anymore. But the gospel is just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. Paul dedicated his whole life to the message. He went to jail multiple times. He spent years of his life imprisoned and he had such a joy-filled heart, such a joy-filled mind, and he was mission-focused the whole time. And when you tell people the good news, they're gonna come against you because the gospel is offensive. People want to earn their way in this world. They want to earn their way by good works. They want to earn their way into their job, into promotions or whatever it is they want to earn. And anytime that you tell someone how there's nothing that they can do to earn it on their own, that the only thing you can do is trust in Jesus because he earned it all for us. When you tell them that, people are gonna get offended. They are not gonna like to know that they can't do anything but just trust and believe. They're going to try to work their way up. And if it's not to heaven, then they're going to try to work their way up to that next promotion or whatever it is. But when you tell them that Jesus is the only way, they will take offense. And what that is, is that's their pride building up in their emotions. Their egos are going to go out of check. And that's when the attacks will come. But Paul says, as long as Jesus is on the throne, I choose to rejoice. So let's choose to have joy. Let's choose to rejoice. People today are so captivated by our culture. It's all about their comforts, their cravings, their conveniences. But as Christians, we should be captivated by Jesus. We should be captivated by his love for us, by the mission that he's given us. Today, people like to uh, be known for what they are against, not what they're for. And I hope that as Christians, we can be known for what we're for, for Christ who unites us. We are for Christ. Let that be known. I wanna encourage you guys to be what, or be for what unites us. Don't focus on the next person and what the next person is focused for or focused on be focused on Christ who left his, his comfortable throne for you to be focused on a Christ or be focused on a Christ's life, how he lived it without ever sinning for you. How he went to the cross, he was whipped lashed, and he was beaten for you. And then how he died and rose again, three days later for you. You should be on mission with a joy-filled heart because God has given you so much. And when you get it wrong, which we will, which you will, when you catch yourself in sin and you and you catch yourself in gossip, tearing others down instead of lifting others up, it's never too late to be humble. Ask for forgiveness. You can repent. You can turn away from that sin. That's what repent means, to turn away, to turn the other direction. But Jesus is the message that holds all the power. It's not in the messenger. And if someone comes at you as the messenger, just shake it off. That's what Paul did. People were coming at him and he just said, you know what? I'm on mission. You know what? I've helped plant these churches who are on mission. He's focusing on those people that are on mission with him, not people that are tearing them down for his joy. He's focusing on Jesus. And all we need to do is believe, trust in him and spread his word. Let's pray.